best or because we might be the most well-resourced and we are not the most well-resourced. Or we can be optimistic because of God's word in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 16 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." He says, all authority, all, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Our mission to reach the world, your mission to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ has power and authority attached to it. The power of our mission to proclaim Jesus is his own power and authority, which he shares with us, his church, his missionary people. I, I love that Jesus says these words in Matthew 28, after his resurrection and in anticipation of his ascension and enthronement at the right hand of God the Father. He has been crucified. He has arisen. He is preparing, preparing to ascend back to the Father. And it's from that glorified position as King and Lord over everyone and everything that Jesus gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower us to do the work that he is giving us in Matthew 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. We're to make disciples of all the nations. By, by nations, I'm sure you know this, Jesus is referring to all people, all ethnic groups. But the question that becomes really hard sometimes for us here in this room is we have to ask, how do we do that when we're living here? How do we make disciples amongst other people groups, amongst other nations? Well, Jesus gives us three participles in response to that question, three, three ing words on how to make disciples. He says, going. He says, baptizing. He says, teaching. Now, I don't fully know the theology um, or every single belief of, of, your, of your church or your elders. That's one of the odd things about talking, about, uh, talking at different churches, uh, especially when you're a pastor yourself and you have your own convictions. Uh, but because you're gathered here on a Wednesday night as a local committed community of believers, I think that we can agree on one very important thing, and that's that the local church is very important and it's very necessary. It's where teaching and where discipleship is the most effective. It is the primary place that baptisms into the family of God should be celebrated. And because of the communal nature of the rest of the New Testament, I think it's pretty safe to say that not just individuals are called to go when he says go, but the whole entire church body is called to go. It's about the local church. It's about your local church doing the work here. It's about my local church in Independence doing the work. It's about a church in South America doing the work, an established church in Russia doing the work, a church in England doing the work of going and baptizing and teaching the nations. But it still doesn't answer the question of how do we do that. We can say, okay, great, I'm, I can see that I'm supposed to do that. How do we do that? How do churches like this, yours do this internationally? I think going is rather obvious. We can get on a plane and we can go. But how do you teach internationally? How do you baptize internationally? Well, we would say uh, that you should have strong 
healthy partnerships for the sake of the gospel to most effectively see kingdom growth accomplished. Strong, healthy partnerships with other local churches for the sake of the gospel to most effectively see kingdom growth accomplished. I want to, to, to kind of illustrate that, I want to take a moment and maybe just explain like, why partnerships matter for today's missions. Uh, this will be especially about Latin America, but I think it's true around the world. There was a time uh, in the North American missions world where North American missionaries have worked, missionaries have worked as if it's our exclusive job to take the gospel to other nations, our exclusive responsibility to take the gospel to every other nation on earth. And it is our job to do so, but it is not our exclusive job. Historically, in regions like Latin America, uh, North American missionaries have at times kind of assumed a paternalistic role, while it has been well-intentioned, has undermined what true discipleship is meant to look like, the raising up and the releasing and the sending out of a trained up one to go do the same, very same thing. Very specifically, there's times this failure to see brothers and sisters from other countries as full partners in the missionary enterprise. And that limits the growth of capable and national, uh, capable and self-sufficient national leaders from other countries reaching into their own countries and reaching out of where they live as well. So we must work to proclaim the word in all of its weightiness and to provide theological training and mentoring opportunities at the same level that we could have here in the United States all around the world and that we could see bold, spirit-filled, word-directed leaders of, of countries all around the world who are working to take the gospel all around the world. Here's ultimately why we want to continue investing in partnerships and helping believers around the world take the gospel to nations. In that great commission, Christ sends his followers out into the nations. He commands them to make disciples or empower others with the truth of the gospel so that those individuals could turn around and go to the nations and make disciples themselves. We're not to do the work all ourselves. Actually, sometimes we can't do the work as well as others. Here's something I found over the years. Um, because of our context, I work heavily with Spanish-speaking leaders. Um, they often have the cultural insight which allows them to share the gospel with their respective communities in a way that no foreign group ever could. Right, I can't go into a city as uh, a guy from Missouri in Argentina and have the same effectiveness as an Argentine from that city in Argentine, Argentina connecting with their community. Additionally, I can't walk into the Middle East looking like this and think that I'm going to be able to have an immediate impact um, and not have to walk through significant barriers to be able to connect with and share the gospel with people. I also can't do it because our culture is so dramatically different. Like we, we move pretty fast here in the States uh, compared to other countries. We don't always take time to listen. <laughs> we, uh, we tend to think that we know what's best However, Argentine personal relationships look really similar to those in the Middle East. I've heard stories of Argentines who have spent time in India, and there's just an immediate connection um, in the relational way that people operate. And so the thought process of sending out Argentines to other places in the world rather than us sending ourselves to other places in the world has a much higher effectiveness. So we believe strongly that gospel-based partnerships are what is needed in the current era of international missions. 
that the idea of the U.S. missionary being sent, being the sole one to take the gospel, is just slowing down. Rather than us taking the gospel to the whole entire world, it's becoming everybody taking the gospel everywhere. And so we specifically want to see Spanish-speaking leaders equipped for kingdom growth around the world. And we want to do that by partnering churches here with church plants there in Argentina. And those partnerships enable us to offer a wide variety of like resources, logistical support, theological training, but that's our specific niche. And so the point is this, that that's our specific goal. But I think there's certainly a place that specificity can look different for each and every single church. But there should be something specific. We are about partnering churches here with church plants in Argentina. But another church's mission could be partnering X with Y for the sake of expanding the gospel. And so the question is, what's your specific mission to see market progress in going and baptizing and teaching the word of God to the nations? So someone once asked me why we focus so much on partnerships, because when you read Matthew 28, um, he doesn't say uh, partner and go therefore. He just says go therefore, right? He doesn't say work together and go therefore, although some would argue that he does because of the plural nature of the word go. But he doesn't say partner and go therefore. And my answer to that is we can look to the book of Philippians and see a deep, loving relationship full of care and concern between Paul and the believers in the Philippian church. Uh, Dave mentioned Sam Masters, my father-in-law. He summarizes this in a really beautiful way, uh, just really just using the Word of God. Uh, But he says, the tone of the entire book of Philippians is set when Paul writes, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And we see that Paul is aware that the Philippians were concerned for him and he wanted them to know what his difficulties had served to do. I want you to know, brothers, in verse 12, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. He spoke of the anguish of his situation. He doesn't hold back. Paul pours out his heart to his dear friends. He says, I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Dan goes on to say, this is the belief that we see throughout the whole entire letter. He loves his friends so much that he is willing to suffer on their behalf. Fruitful missions depends on this personal dimension. The web of relationships and missions includes the relations between a missionary and those who support him, whether individuals or churches. For when we rely too much on the organizational structure of sending agencies, a relational distance can open up between the centers and the sent. At the end of the day, sending agencies are good. Missions, organizations are good. I, I run one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that we aren't doing a good thing. But relationships have to be primary in the taking of the gospel. Having a strong role of the local church and world missions, it can do many things. But there's one thing that it does above all else. It brings joy to both the senders and the sent ones. In Philippians, we see that Paul expressed the joy of the partnership with the church and its people offered him. 
And then throughout the rest of that letter, Paul strives to make it clear that that partnership in the gospel is for, for their joy as well. Here's just an example to bring this down into the real world. Um, we work with a church uh, in Oak Grove, Missouri, who has been partnered with a, a small church plant in La Rinco Nada uh, for 10 plus years. La Rinco Nada is this little nothing town in central Argentina. It's like 80 kilometers beyond any paved roads. Uh, the, the road, or sorry, the town in the, in the region is literally known as the corner of nowhere. Uh, when it rains, you're not getting in. And if you're in La Rinconada when it rains, you're not getting out <laughs> until things dry up. You are stuck. Uh, they just got electricity into that town a little bit over 10 years ago. That's how isolated it is from everything else. Oak Grove, a little over 10 years ago, poured the slab of a pastoral house there in La Rinconada. Uh, they had traveled down with a team to help a missionary family, uh, Fabian and Marcela Abregu, um, become established there in La Rinconada. They had felt called to the region and they were moving there um, away from all the comforts of living somewhere that has had electricity for a lot more than 10 years. Uh, five years ago, FBC Oak Grove provided funds to expand the church building so that Fabian and Marcela could actually have a home of their own separate from the church space. Three years ago, FBC Oak Grove traveled again to La Rinconada to help finish that pastoral house, because you can imagine that construction uh, in the middle of nowhere is, is rather slow. So they went down again three years ago to help finish that. Just last month, FBC Oak Grove helped provide the funds to put solar panels on top of the church building. Um, because of the desert nature of the area, there are power outages all the time. Uh, a storm will come through, knock some posts down. The, the government's not going to come fix it for weeks, so the whole entire town has no electricity for weeks. That obviously caused problems with refrigeration. It caused problems with, it always causes problems with um, uh, well pumps, uh, being able to get water out. It completely cuts the missionary family off from any kind of communication with their friends and family and support from their sending church. The point is this, FBC Oak Grove was committed 10 years ago, and five years ago, and three years ago, and last month, and they are committed now. And they continue to experience the joy of every single uh, children's event, and every single baptism, and every single new person that comes to know Jesus Christ in the town of La Rinconada because of their friendship and their relationship with Fabian and Marcela Abregu. And Fabian and Marcela are able to encourage First Baptist in their commitment to missions. And through that mutual encouragement, we at Crucera have been blessed to help both congregations come to and continue just to love one another. No matter what the changes of leadership are at the churches, no matter what the changes of people within the walls of the churches, the churches themselves love each other very much. And so as we begin to close, I want you to continue to consider how you as a church are actively and you as a believer personally engaging in international missions. Like, I, hope, I hope you've been able to hear the need in this real short time as local churches to just continue to take steps of ownership of the call to take the gospel to the nations. It's not just for big churches. It's not just for sending organizations. It's a call for every single local church to partner together for the sake of taking the gospel to the nations. I want to close by just telling one last story. Like, I like stories uh, quite a bit. And for me, this is the perfect example of what gospel, gospel partnership for the sake of Jesus Christ can look like. Uh, Mill Creek Community Church is a church plant in DeSoto, Kansas. 
Uh, they were part of a much larger church in Olathe, Kansas. They began with a core group of about 100 people. With As a guy who has helped plant a church, 100 people, I'm like, that's a full-on church. That's not a core team. What are we talking about? They started with about 100 people. Uh, they've taken off from there, and they haven't ever looked back. Um, Dave mentioned Sam's church starting uh, in the 90s. Mill Creek was one of the first churches from the States to help support Iglesia Crescer. When the church there in Cordoba, Argentina, was about a year old, Mill Creek sent a missions team down to help just do evangelism into the community, to, to help people get to know that the church existed. And at that time, the church was paying rent for their first location in downtown Cordoba. And Sam tells the story this way. <clears throat> we didn't own a car. So I rode the trolley back and forth between downtown and my house. And one day I had been on the trolley for just a few blocks when I felt the urge to get off and walk the rest of the way home. I took a slightly different route than usual and walked up Lima Street. Just a few blocks from where we were meeting, I saw a building with a for sale sign on it. I had the strongest feeling we should look into buying this building. The problem was that the building cost $100,000 and I couldn't lay my hands on even an extra $100. At that time, our personal support was really subsistence level. We couldn't afford to buy a car for several years, and our young congregation certainly didn't have the funds. And what's more, in Argentina, as in most parts of the world, you can't just walk into a bank and ask for a loan to buy a church building. I didn't know any other source of financing. Still, we felt we should pray about it. And when the team from Mill Creek came down from the U.S., I thought we should take them to see the building. The realtor gave us the keys, and we looked around and needed a lot of work. But the team from Mill Creek apparently had an imagination as outlandish as my own. They all had the same sense that I did, that this building was it, but we didn't know how to buy it. I knew that Mill Creek was a new church, so I had zero expectation that they could help us in any significant way. So we stood in the patio at the back of the property as rain fell, and we prayed. And when we finished praying, one of the team members says, I wish my boss were here. He would just write a check. I gave him my, that's nice, smile, and thought to myself, yeah, right. The first day this man was back at work, he went to see his boss. He told him about the building and said, if you had been there, you would have written a check for $100,000. And so his boss wrote the check. Amen. That's not where the story stops. And this is why it gets so exciting. At first, that gift of $100,000 was a loan. Um, the church was supposed to pay it back with monthly payments um, every single month. Eventually, the donor said, hey, stop paying me back. You just hold on to the money. They decided to put that money into a fund that would continue the missions work there in Argentina. And now, two decades later, three decades later, that initial money has been recycled over and over again to help multiple other churches buy property and build buildings. One of those churches is a small town in the Andes called Kachi. Amen. Story's not over yet. It gets better. <laughs> uh, one of those churches is in a small town in the Andes called Kachi. Uh, throughout the years, Mill Creek had been coming down. I mentioned Oak Grove came consistently. Mill Creek came consistently. Um, and they had gotten to know the planters, Marcelo and Nancy Brondo, who were heading to Kachi to plant a church. And when they felt called to go, Mill Creek could get to partner again to help get the work off the ground. They sent several exploratory trips from Mill Creek to Kachi. They found land to purchase. And so some people at Iglesia Crecer in Argentina put the money up to buy one plot of land. Mill Creek put the money up to buy another plot of land. They bought them right next to each other, and the two properties were purchased side by side. 
During the first phase of construction, Mill Creek sent teams down from the United States to work in Kachi, while Iglesia Crecera sent teams up from Cordoba to work in Kachi to be able to build the pastoral house and the church building. At the end of the day, the Argentine sending church, Iglesia Crecera, could have done the job by itself. But that church in Mill Creek, or sorry, that church in Kachi would have been half as big and it would have taken half as long. And to paraphrase Paul, Mill Creek's were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice, sorry, Mill Creek's gifts were a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable to God. The result will be glory to God and Father forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's transformational level partnership. You can have great, enormous, gigantic, God-dreamed impact for his kingdom by partnership for the sake of the gospel. There are needs on the mission field right now that your church can meet, whatever your size. God and his providence will always match whatever tools you have to a job that needs to be done. That's just the way it works. Whatever resources we have, and we say, God, I want you to use these for the sake of your gospel. He's going to show you how you can actually use those for the sake of the gospel. And we can trust in that because it's driven by the authority and the command of Jesus Christ. I feel like there's a lot that I could say. Um, I think I'm running up on my 20 minutes. Uh, thanks for having me this evening. I am really encouraged um, by the work that your church is doing. I'm really encouraged by your pastors and their heart, uh, not just for the nations, but their, like, their heart for you. You can hear it in the way that they, they speak about their church. They love you very, very much. Um, it's a very good work. And I just want to pray for you and for your church, and then I'm going to hand it back over to Dave. Uh, Father, um, Lord, I thank you for Park Baptist Church. I thank you for their desire to reach the nations uh, with the gospel. I thank you that you have honored and ask that you would continue to honor their work and that they would see much fruit in the coming years and decades for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simply ask that you would bless their efforts, that you would sustain them through your spirit. You'd make your glory known above all else. Would you, who began a good work in this body, bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ? Amen. Thank you all.